you got your crew here in the studio. It's, it's a big crew today. We have Brennan, Craig, Tony, Kathy, and Jody all crammed in this little box to bring you the best of the nerdy news. And uh, we'll have Hank cash in as well. He's got some more picks for great TV. But we're going to start with Craig because you've seen some cool movies and stuff lately. So uh, why don't you uh, take us on the first part of our journey? Sure. Well, uh, I saw Midsommar this week. Am I very loud? You're a little loud. All right, I'll tone it down. I saw Midsommar this week, uh, which is the new film from Ari Aster, who you would know as the director of Hereditary, which was a quite visceral and spellbinding horror movie uh, from the last year or so. I had some issues with it, but I still loved it. Uh, Midsommar, uh, what I'll say here is like, I love this movie. It may be so far my favorite movie of the year. Ooh. That's not necessarily how I felt walking out of it. That, like it really had to tumble around in my head for a couple of days. <laughs> and having said that, uh, I don't know that I would recommend this movie to a lot of people because I think you really got to be on the movie's wavelength. But uh, so that's a very complicated recommendation, I guess. But uh, the movie is about a, a woman who uh, her family basically dies at the beginning. So it's not really a spoiler. And she is dating this guy uh, named Christian who is, he wants to break up with her. He's been talking to his friends about it, but he just can't quite pull the trigger. And then, of course, once her family dies, then he, like, is sort of obligated to be part of it. Uh, now, they have a friend who is from Sweden, and they're all basically grad students, uh, I think maybe with the exception of her, actually. And they decide to go to Sweden to go back to his, like, uh, sort of a commune that he was raised on to... Uh, to sort of see this Midsommar festival that lasts nine days. And so she decides to end up tagging along and they get there and uh, it's this beautiful idyllic setting. Uh, the movie itself looks amazing. It looks beautiful. There's these beautiful colors of like, you know, yellow flowers and green grass and blue skies and, and these white uh, sort of smocks that everybody's wearing. And, uh, and so it's this, you know, idyllic pastoral setting. But, of course, they soon figure out that, like, things aren't necessarily as they seem. Uh, and that sounds like a setup to it, like a slasher movie. And it does have some elements of that kind of stuff going on. But it's really, like, uh, it's, it's if, if, if Hereditary was horror, uh, Ari Aster has said this isn't really necessarily horror. He's called it more, like, horror adjacent. So it definitely has <laughs> some of those, like, visceral uh, things in it and, and, you know, and some, I guess, killing and stuff. But it really is, it's an operatic film about breaking up, basically. And it's two and a half hours long. It's a complete, like, mind screw. And uh, I think there's be, it's funny, I went with a group of people, uh, and Hank was with me too, actually. And uh, I know, like, uh, Dean, who we do the Punch uh, TV show with on Shaw, he was a hard pass, like, the moment we walked out of there. <laughs> Whereas Hank and I were a lot more, uh, you know, into it. And my wife saw it with us, too. She liked it, but she was like, yeah, it, like, it could have used an edit. It was, But in saying that, I'm like, I don't know what I'd cut out. It was two and a half hours long, but it, it kind of, like, you need to immerse yourself that deeply in it to, for, for what sort of comes uh, at the end. So overall... Uh, if you think it's going to be Hereditary 2, it's not. Uh, it's something totally different. But if you would like to be challenged by film, you will probably really like it, uh, even if you have some misgivings about certain parts of it. If you don't like to be challenged by film, you could probably steer clear. Uh, so I also caught this week uh, Stranger Things 3. 
Yes. Now, I won't give any spoilers or anything, but basically it's, you know, the gang's all back. And now there's like 30 of them. Like, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, actually. Uh, what I would say about this season overall is I had to, it was kind of like John Wick 3 where I was sitting in it and I went, this is a lot sillier. In fact, it's very comparable to John Wick because the first John Wick movie is super lean and tight and mean. And so is the original season of Stranger Things. But as both of those series have grown, they've kind of taken on more weight and more people and more baggage. Uh, and season three uh, is so broad in some cases. That I saw an article today from the AV Club that said uh, season three ruined Hopper, the other guy that plays the sheriff or yep. whatever. And I, I don't Aww. know that I agree with that, but I, I definitely <laughs> think there were like scenes uh, that were just so over the top ridiculous. I mean, he's running around looking like Magnum P.I. for most of it. There, There's a scene where they're singing the, it's like a moment where like people get tortured in one scene and then in the next scene it's like they're singing the theme from the never ending story at this like crazy moment or whatever. So uh, that said, just like I did in John Wick 3, I decided to go with it and I, I did enjoy it, but it's definitely comes with some misgivings. Uh, in terms of like how broad they try to play a lot of it. It's getting sillier. It's becoming a bit of a parody of itself. It, it is. It, it enjoys itself. Yeah. It's indulgent totally. in all the clothes and products and music and all of that culture. But it, if you just say, you know what? I suspend my disbelief. I'm going to go with it. You can have a fun ride. Yeah. I think too, some of the references even are like, uh, or like in the, again in the early seasons, you're you can if you're a real sci-fi nerd, you can kind of pick those things out. Oh, that's probably like a reference to this or that. In this, it's like no, that guy's the Terminator. That guy's Magnum PI. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so like it just wears its references yeah. on its sleeve now. Pretty on the nose. Okay, it's still great though. Yeah, yeah, still enjoyable. Okay, well we're gonna throw things over to Hank. He's got some picks for TV shows that you should pay attention to. So here's Hank. Hey all you punchers out there in Radio Land, it's me, Hank. Last week I suggested you toss a gaze from your eye holes over to HBO for Euphoria, Showtime for City on a Hill and the Loudest Voice, Cinemax for Jet with two T's, and TBS or iTunes or Crave TV for The Detour. So this week we're going to cover the rest of the shows you should be watching this summer so far, because there's a bunch coming out there I haven't even checked out yet. So, on Netflix, I'm watching a few shows, let's start with... How to buy drugs online fast. So a dude in high school gets dumped by his girlfriend, so naturally he turns to selling ecstasy to win her back, right? And with the help of his best friend, they launch Europe's largest online drug business from their bedroom. It's a German Netflix show with humor that translates well. I like watching it with subtitles, but the dubbing is uh, quite, it's, it's close. So funny, fast paced, you should check it out right now. I'm also watching Easy on Netflix, uh, three seasons, I think three is the last season. I'm about halfway through. It is a show that follows a diverse cast of characters traveling in interlocking stories in self-contained episodes. So each episode self-contained, but they're all connected together at some point. Uh, it's about sex, relationships, self-improvement, community. I'm halfway through season three, like I said, and I've loved every episode. Uh, the cast, uh, way too many people to name, but Orlando Bloom, Malin Ackerman, Kate Micucci, Mark Marin, Dave Franco, Hannibal Burress, and more. Great writing, great acting. Check it out. Uh, of course, uh, Stranger Things, uh, the new season just came out, so I won't say anything, don't want to spoil it, but the new season is good. And uh, the new season of Good Girls uh, moved over to Netflix. I think it's an ABC show uh, moved to Netflix. I'm watching that. Um, 
I haven't started the new season yet, but I'm going to start right away. I don't know where they go uh, after what happened in season one and two, so we're going to check that out. And now quickly, a rundown of the rest of the shows you should be watching. CBC Gem. Ooh, Gem is the only place I can find to watch Das Boot season one. So for those of you that love the book and the original movie, if you made it through the original movie, because it's like almost four hours if I remember correctly, this series takes place after those events. So if you read the book or you watched the movie, this is brand new. I uh, don't want to go too much into it because we don't have any time, but I've watched about four or five of the eight episodes so far. Loving it. There's more talking than action, uh, but the show, what I've seen so far, is pretty close to perfect, so they're doing a good job there. Uh, on Stars or Crave uh, in Canada, uh, the new season of Vita. Uh, so Vita, the half-hour drama series focusing on two Mexican-American sisters from the east side of LA who couldn't be more distanced from each other. Circumstances forced them to return to their old neighborhood where they're confronted by the past and surprising truth about their mother's identity and sexuality. Now season two, uh, which is the newest season, no spoilers, it further uh, goes in uh, and crafts the relationship between sisters Emma and Lynn. It's beautiful, it's real, uh, definitely check it out. I'm uh, ready to start watching The Boys on Amazon Prime at the end of this month. So it's based on one of my favorite comic series by Garth Ennis. Please Amazon, don't screw it up, I'll let you know how it is. On Amazon, I tried watching Good Omens, uh, but I couldn't get into it. So tweet me if I need to give it another try. I don't know anybody who's watched it and liked it. I tried probably 40 minutes of the first episode. Uh, I don't know if it's my thing or not, but with all the buzz it was getting, I'm like, oh, I gotta check it out. And uh, uh, Channel 4 told me that Dairy Girls Series 2 is coming to Netflix soon, so I'm looking forward to that. If you haven't watched Dairy Girls, uh, a hilarious Irish uh, show, um, the entire cast is great. Uh, season 1 is on Netflix now, so check it out. And that's it for me so how to buy drugs online on Netflix easy on Netflix stranger things on Netflix good girls if you have a chance on Netflix DOS boot CBC gem Vita on stars or crave TV the boys hopefully on Amazon Prime and dairy girls on uh, Netflix so that's it for me. My name is Hank. For all things that you should be watching, reading, listening to, or playing, follow at Hank and Kelso and at Shaw Punch TV. That's at Hank and Kelso and at Shaw Punch TV. I'll talk at you next time right here on Punch Radio. All right. Thank you, Hank, for those good tips. Um, now I'm going to turn things over to Kathy and Tony because... You guys have really dug deep. You went back in time and uh, you've got something to say about Darth Maul. An interesting man, Darth Maul. About a week ago, I was at the store and I overheard uh, someone talking about the, uh, the Solo movie and how, how did Darth Maul end up in the Solo movie because he was cut in half in uh, Phantom Menace. And I thought to myself, well, I know that, but maybe other people don't. And Kathy didn't, so this is pretty much just kind of, uh, I'm just kind of go going over it with people who don't, and, uh, and Kathy, who has no idea who Darth Maul is. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. I, I religiously followed Rebels, so I know kind of the back end of Darth Maul and then, and then the start from so, Phantom so Menace. So Darth Maul then, the, the thing that I find really fascinating about Darth Maul is the fact that he has two hearts 
that's what you find that's fascinating. That's the fascinating okay. part. Okay, so, <laughs> so basically what happens was in the end of The Phantom Menace, Darth Maul gets cut in half and he falls. So the, what, what surprises me about that is how like he, his life is actually ruined after that and he just becomes a nobody. He falls into the shaft. He somehow falls into some kind of garbage thing where he actually is dumped on a planet. On that planet, he then somehow, and I couldn't really, I looked all over the internet for this one, he, he, he acquires spider legs. So he becomes I like a spider. spiders. So did he build that from the garbage? I have maybe? no idea. Maybe he used his like Sith brain uh, to make spider legs. I hate maybe. spiders. I, I heard he also survived by eating vermin. He did. He ate vermin. So here he is. He's on this planet and he has, he's eating vermin. And then somehow his brother finds out that he's alive. Now, his mother was actually a witch. So from his planet, his mother was a witch. Darth Sidious came down to his planet or to this planet and stole him away from his mother. So he has a brother. His brother finds out he's still alive and goes and finds him. And of course, at this point, Darth Maul's crazy. He's eating vermin and he has spider legs. I hate spiders. And then what? How did he get from there to Solo? So basically what happens is his brother takes him away and uh, they they take him and his mother gives him legs, these big mechanical legs, and heals him. By her magic. Yes, so Mm -hmm. he's no longer the nutball. So then he... (laughs) By a mother's love, really. That's all you need is a mother's love. He no longer is a nutball. Okay, so then what happens is he goes out and now he's obsessed with Obi-Wan Kenobi but also, Darth, um, uh, what's her name? The Sith guy, the bad guy. The Sidious. Sidious guy. He doesn't like this. So he goes in and he goes and he kills Darth Maul's brother. Isn't that crazy? He kills him and says, yeah, you know, but he doesn't kill Darth Maul. He's like, I just pity you. You're horrible. So this guy who's like, he's living, trying to be the Sith guy. And Darth Sidious goes in there and like kills his brother and says, yeah, yeah, you're nobody to me. So kind of what he did by killing Qui-Gon in front of uh, Obi-Wan. Exactly, right. yeah. Okay. So the same type of thing. So then so then Darth Maul's like, yeah, he's pretty pissed off. But he gets together with these the syndicate. Uh, he, go, he gets together with a bunch of Mandalorians, like the Boba Fett type guys with his crazy armor. And he gets with them, and he actually takes over all the crime syndicates. And that's where he is when we see him in Solo. He's involved and in charge of all these crime syndicates. Like the Huts and the Pikes, and they all get together. Yeah. And Darth Maul's the leader. Yeah. You're good at this. You know the, the Huts and the Pikes. That surprises me. <laughs> I do. I remember. Well, I know Solo. We watch Solo. We're solo. So yeah, exactly. So. so then what happens next is he becomes obsessed with killing Obi-Wan. He kills Obi-Wan's girlfriend. I guess Obi-Wan has like a, a love interest at this time. The Mandalorian lady. Yes. The, she was the queen of Mandalore. And he kills her. And then Obi-Wan at this time, that's when he's like goes into seclusion and he's hiding. So now Darth Maul goes out and finds Obi-Wan and they have their final battle. Okay, this is part I know from Rebels. So he, Darth Maul tries to get... Ezra Bridger to be his apprentice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So then yeah. So because of that, yeah. So Darth Maul, he's he's smart, but he it's all about, you know, his whole life is all about uh trying to uh kill Obi Wan. And in the end, I hate to say this, I don't want to spoil it, but he doesn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. From from that, like at, when he when uh, he does actually kill Darth Maul, I was thinking so they they were almost buddy buddy there at the end, which was weird because you know uh, I think that I think that Obi Wan knew that Darth Maul had to die, but I think he felt pity for him because his life was uh, tr- dr- it was dramatically tragic. At that point, they were almost aligned, though, right? Because they both wanted the end of the Sith. They right? did, yeah. Darth Maul wanted the end of the Sith as well, yes, because he was uh, upset with he wanted uh, Sidious gone, and he also wanted Darth Vader gone. He wanted the end of the whole thing, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so the yeah. enemy of my enemy is my friend. There you go. Well done. There you go. That's Darth Maul. Anyway, uh, if you want to know more about Darth Maul, you could uh, watch episode one. <laughs> okay. okay i have a question i want to put you on the spot um the mandalorian like show that's going to be coming out soon uh will darth be part of that do you think uh no i think it actually happens a far ways away into another part of the solar system and it's actually not using any of the people that we know right now Okay. Yeah, it's 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 basically based in a time at the same time this is happening, but it's based in an area that we don't know. That way, they don't have to use the characters that we know. It's all new characters. Okay, and, and John Favreau is involved with this, and he's pretty reliable. He's like a good producer, director, writer, dude. So I and a fan of the Star Wars universe, I think he'll give it respect. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I'm very excited. Also, I'm really excited about the toys. Everyone likes like the Mandalorian armor, so the toys are always going to be pretty sweet. Either way, I win. Show, <laughs> show can be bad, but I'll get the toys. Okay. Um, well, that thank you for the scoop on uh, Star Wars lore. There's, we, I think we all learned something today, that's, Tony. That's why we're here. Thank you. <laughs> that is why we're here. Okay, well, let's turn it over to comics. Um, both Brennan and I have comics news that we want to share today. Um, I'm going to... We're, I, I had planned to talk about something, and then I had forgotten that Brennan had already like written an article about that. So let's delve into that first. So Sounds good. This week... Second Coming finally came out and hit the shelves. Now, this has been a troubled book. It Mm -hmm. was supposed to be released, and then it got the kibosh because it's a little bit controversial because basically the plot of it is it's like a superhero and Jesus. And um, people were just like, no, this can't happen. It's too racy. So um, why don't you fill in the blanks on its original um, planned release and and what happened and then we'll pick it up from okay there. so from what i remember because it's been a while it was going to be a vertigo title was yes. that correct yes. dc and so the premise basically is jesus comes back to earth and teams up with a superhero to discover ways to help humanity better um the crazy thing is this petition went out that was on petition.com or one of those websites that basically said this comic shouldn't come out because it's sacrilegious if it was made by another by another religion there'd be more issues and and I forget the exact number but it received a ton of signatures to the point where DC decided to pull this title and I think what bothered me the most was that the people that were behind the petition are people that are not interested in comics in my mind it's one thing if comic distributors of comic fans would have come out and said oh this isn't for us but it wasn't it was people that have no vested interest in comics generally that were the ones that were displeased who made enough pressure for DC to change their mind. So when I wrote my article, I said, where is free speech? Like, what's why there has been way worse comics. Remember The Preacher? 
that mm-hmm. was a much more sacrilegious comic. Totally. I mean, now, I hadn't read this because it hadn't been released yet. And so already we were having people that were arguing about something that hadn't even come out yet. Kevin Smith and Dogma, same thing. People, he got death threats. And then once the movie came out, the death threats stopped, right? So um, that was my main point of contention. Wasn't even, if you, if you don't want to like it, fine, don't like it. But at least let it be released so we can yeah, judge it on its, its merit. It's only fair to censor it if you've actually read it and then have an opinion on it. I don't think it's right to like kibosh something because you think it might not be okay. Exactly. Or don't buy it. Yeah, or you, don't buy you it. You have that option too. You don't need to support it. So, But that, I mean, it does raise up that whole issue of like people who didn't like how Game of Thrones ended up. And like there were big petitions over how that should be reshot. And it's like, and even the last Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi, a lot of fans were really up in arms. And they're like, no, we're not even going to count that as a Star Wars movie. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not. I did up. not say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> But at least they waited till it came out, though. Right. So right? They, they got to experience it first and then have an opinion on it. So that is different. But, like, I, I don't understand this entitlement mm-hmm. of, of the consumer because it's not up to you. Like, if you want to enjoy it, great. If you hate it, that's fine, too. But, like, you didn't make it. You didn't put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. You are not the artist who are who is driving the creation of this piece. So, like... Ultimately, your opinion doesn't matter, so don't bother with yeah. your petitions as far as I'm concerned. And, and if this would have come out in the 90s, it wouldn't have made a blip, to be honest. But in, in the age of social media, where everyone's opinion is important, and listen to me, because what I say is what's really important. Um, you know, so now I haven't read it yet, so I'm not sure if it's good or not. Um, it's pretty funny, actually. Um, it, it, it starts with like, you know, God creates earth for kind of his own amusement. He wants to be friends with these creatures, but at the same time he wants them to worship him, which is like, um, that can't really happen. You can't have both. It's like trying to be buddy with your kid. You're either a parent or you're a friend. You can't be both period. Anyways. So, um, he fails and he's like, Kate, screw you guys. I'm just going to like leave you to your own devices. And then Jesus is like, hey, daddy, can I have a crack? Can I go down to earth and try to help everybody? And he's like, yeah, have at her. So he goes down. He's back. He's like 33 years. 33 is the best that you can do. You are a failure. Meanwhile, there's a superhero on earth who him and his wife, like, they really want to have a kid. They're trying to adopt. They're, it's just not going well. And then God discovers them. And he's kind of like, hey, you want the responsibility for another being? Here's my son, Jesus. And you guys are going to like pair up and like try to do good works on earth. And then adventure ensues. So like I think it actually has some promise. It's pretty funny. The art is very decent. Um, it's written by Mark Russell and Richard Pace does the art. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's like it's very tongue in cheek. Um, but like there's nothing in here that's like super offensive to like I I think you can if you believe in God you can still believe in God and enjoy this comic right and it's funny how something that is meant to be funny too like a comedy somehow again not to pick on the preacher which I love but 
what's more offensive than the preacher? Uh, the preacher comic is person, not much. super, super hardcore. Yeah. And they really dumbed that down for the TV show. Like big yeah. time. They really don't go into it. But yeah, it's great. It's scathing towards the church, towards religion, towards, you know, figures. Um, yeah. If you, that's a good book. You should pick that up. Okay. So second coming that came out. That was awesome. Um, the other one that I want to put on people's radar is um, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips put out um, Bad Weekend. And this is basically like their new version, their new run of Criminal. Um, this is uh, volume two and three or issue two and three, but they didn't have enough room when they put those comics out to include everything they wanted. So Bad Weekend has extra stuff in it that the original comics don't have so if you mm. think like well i'm already getting the comic i don't need to read this book but no you do because there's extra stuff that makes me happy because i thought i just uh, was going to read the same thing over so that's good to know. you are not getting cheated you are getting extra stuff and it's really cool especially if you're a comic book fan because it's about this like kind of old time legend uh artist who um has to go to a comic-con and his old assistant is brought back to like wrangle him and he's shady like the artist is a bad guy he's got a bad reputation he's getting an award but like he does some bad stuff and he like makes this other guy do some bad stuff too so it's 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 criminal it's great the art is awesome. The storytelling is awesome. And if you love the art world, especially around comics, you will especially enjoy this. So bad weekend. Pick that one up. All right. Now, what was your big pick that you wanted to talk about today, Brennan? So my pick for this week is Gunning for the Hits, written by Jeff Rogvey. Uh, and this month it was collected in a graphic novel version. So the first six issues in a story arc. And Barnes & Noble had... Uh, declared, I guess, that it was one of the best graphic novels for July. Um, <clears throat> I mean, this is the first time when I read issue one that I got to the end that I literally jumped up out of my chair <laughs> because I was so excited by it. Um, it's written by Jeff Rogvey. Uh, the art is by Moritat, who has done The Spirit, Hellblazer, and Harley Quinn. Uh, Casey Silver does the lettering, and it follows a record executive. His name is Martin Mills. And he has a chance to sign Brian Slade, who is one of his all-time favorite iconic musicians. Um, at the same breath, he's also signed this new up-and-coming band that he thinks will become the next big American band called Stunted Growth. So you see the ins and outs of what it's like to be a record executive trying to sign these bands. What you also learn in issue one is that he has a bit of a shady past, and it's revealed that he was a hitman. Um, now, this happens fairly early on issue one, so not really a spoiler. And you discover he has to use his hitman uh, persona and experience as a record producer. What I love so much about this book, as someone who is a comic and a music person, is that this is someone that was an actual music rep. So um, Jeff Rogvi, the writer, uh, one of his first big projects when he signed on with Ryko Disc was to make the David Bowie sound and vision compilation which was basically the compilation that put Ryko Disc on the map that was also the compilation that could have ruined them as a as a company like that's kind of where they put so much money into it and gave him that much trust um, so the main character Brian Slade that is a reference to the movie Velvet Goldmine which was based on David Bowie and David Bowie said no thank you I don't want to be involved in it so they made up this fictional character he creates this character as this 
David Bowie in the 80s who hasn't had a hit for a long time and he tries to rejuvenate his career. Um, the, even the character of Brian Slade himself looks a lot like David Bowie in the 80s. He has the hair, the two different colored eyes, which he writes into the story later on um, why he has the two different color eyes, which is really fascinating. But at the end of every book, he will have little personal essays about the music industry and music fans and what it's like to work in the industry and what he's learned and, and just the ins and outs of it. So what I, what I find so fascinating is that you are reading a story based on someone who's been there and done that. So if you're someone who loves comics, but maybe you're getting burned out on the whole big pecs, spandex suits, throwing stuff at people, <laughs> this one's great. Lots of dialogue. Every issue reads like a play. And there's lots of neat little nods to Gross, Gross Point Blank and other Hitman movies and things. So if you like a good story with re real people doing real things in fictional ways, check out Gunning for the Hits. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, that pretty much like wraps things up for like another week. Like how quickly can 30 minutes go by? I am stunned. It's faster every week. It does get faster every week. So.